Now in its third year, it's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels talking about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Sit back and enjoy, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 146 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels coming to you from Sandusky, Ohio, and I appreciate you checking out the podcast. We are continuing with our AFL preview episodes, and I was able to have the great fortune to sit down and chat with longtime North Melbourne supporter and athletics renaissance man, Peter Taylor. Just an impressive list of things that he has been involved with. Don't forget that you can find everything related to the podcast over at the website, ayankonthefooty.com. I do hope you'll consider checking it out. You can leave me a voicemail there. You can leave me a little message as well. You can check out my blog there. And you can also get signed up for the email list so that when new episodes come out, they show up in your inbox before they show up anywhere else. In fact, I had a half dozen people sign up on the mailing list last night. So there's a spot there for you as well. And if you like the show and you want to consider helping me out, you can click on the Buy Me a Coffee button in the bottom left-hand corner. Also, if you're interested in any podcast gear, you can find that over on my Redbubble page, and there's a tab for that in the store page up at the top of the website. And you can also find uh, the new logo that was designed by Waza King from Eagle Nation. And uh, Warren, thanks a lot for that, sir. It's greatly, greatly appreciated. I do hope that you enjoy my chat with North Melbourne supporter Peter Taylor. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my guest for this preview episode is someone who's been involved playing football for, based upon what I can tell, about a half century at all different levels. He's involved in a number of different activities, uh, some that I'm very envious of that I will probably never be doing, like ultra trail running. I'm certainly not going to be trying to surf ever either because I'm not that coordinated. Uh, and he continues to play basketball as well as uh, Masters footy in the ACT to this day. I'd like to welcome Peter Taylor to the podcast, and Peter is here to talk about his beloved North Melbourne Kangaroos. Peter, thanks for coming on this morning, sir. No worries, Craig. It's a pleasure to talk to you this morning, and to all the Roos supporters out there, we're hoping to move slightly up the ladder for 2022. I I think it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be a, a better year this year, but you know there were a lot of positives that happened last year, which we're going to talk about as well. So. Before we, we jump in too far here, I guess we have to talk about how is it that you found yourself to become a Ruse supporter? Yeah, so from an early age, from the age of four or five, I, my uncle John Perry played for North Melbourne from, I think, from 70, 1970 to 1974. So I had um, posters of the team on my wall as a, as a young fella. And then I've led a, a very interesting life. So when those places are up on the wall, we we're living in, in Port Moresby in Papua New Guinea. So my dad was in the Australian Army and was posted there for, for two years. So I remember wow. seeing, uh, having those posters on the wall. And then um, we moved over to Perth, Western Australia. So there was a connection with uh, players like Barry Cable and Ross Glendening, um, a couple of WA players who headed over to, to North, so we could see see those guys when we'd go and watch Claremont play in the in the Waffle, which was our, our team that was close to home. And then uh, from there, we moved to the United States. So when I was about from ages ten to twelve, lived in Washington DC, hmm. and 
I think I'm the only North Melbourne supporter who has not been in Australia when we've won a premiership. <laughs> so 70, 70, 75, 77, and 96 and 99, I was not in Australia. So uh, Wow. So, so maybe I've got to, maybe I've got to leave to, to make sure that we can get another one. Well, I, I sure. now um, all of you who are North Melbourne supporters, if you would like to send me your contributions to buy Peter a plane ticket to leave the country, go ahead and check out my address in the uh, show notes. You go ahead and send. <laughs> that's a that is a bit of trivia that uh, probably I think that might be your only. Yeah, you might be the only one to claim that. That's that's amazing. That that uh, wow. That you, that you weren't here for well you know you were in you said you were in new guinea and 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 you know how you probably didn't get a chance to watch any football there i would imagine because you know with television being what it was i mean how much was it actually being broadcast there yeah i think um from memory that would be a movie night at the um at the army camp i think every friday um, my, my father did play uh, locally in the local competition in, in Fort Moresby. So my dad's about five foot ten, and he was a ruckman. So there's a picture of um, that he still has um, of him, basically sort of not quite like Mason Cox, looking uh, quite tall compared to the local the local players, and okay. the only the only white white fella on the on the team. So he played over there, uh, footy over there. So, but he was. Uh, tall in stature compared to the locals. So, so w- was he in D.C. as part of the Army? Yes, yeah, so my dad's part, he was at the embassy. Okay. So the Australian okay. embassy in, in D.C. So, um, yeah, so 75, yeah, and you're getting in 77 um, yeah, in D.C. So we, we moved back to Australia in um, 79, and it must have been sort of mid-year because I do remember going to watch North Melbourne and Richmond at the MCG, and my uncle, who I mentioned, played for, for North in from 70 to 74, also played for Richmond from, um, I think, it was 63 to 69 and was part of um, the Richmond 67 premiership team. So although he played um, uh, footy, at North, better footy, more opportunities um, because he wasn't injured. He had lots. He had a run of injuries, and so he had hepatitis, a broken collarbone, um, national service. So he's conscripted for the Vietnam War, so he could okay. only play fleetingly. And I think he might have played about twenty-five games over an eight-year period, and then um, the sort of the, the center line of uh, what was it, uh, Francis Burke. Dick Clay and the other guy on the other wing. So he was a wingman, had limited opportunities, did get the 67 premiership, is a Tiger through and through, even though he was at North. But I guess when I was growing up, uh, North was the, the team that he played for. Well, and the team I mean, that's, uh, I mean that's, that's, that's what you, you know, kind of in your more formative years, that's where you were, you recognized him as being part of that. You weren't, you, you weren't necessarily as aware of his time with, with Richmond. You know, I think, I think it was, I was in. Uh, I was at the '67 Grand Final in, in Utero. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's. Uh, I was, you know, the the last time the Cleveland Browns won a, an NFL championship, I was a year old, so I, I can, you know, I can at least say I was alive when one of those happened. But uh, right. so, you know, I'm looking at the, you know, the the list of of all the different clubs that you played with over the years, and you looks like you spent about a decade living in Canada as well. 
How did you, how did you find your way to Canada? Yeah, so I was traveling around in Europe in the early 90s and bumped into a Canadian from Vancouver and uh, thought, yeah, she's a bit of all right. So um, we ended up getting engaged and uh, it was she was a still university, so it was easy for me to move over to Vancouver in 1991 and just spent 20 years there. So, Okay. You are not my... You are not my first Australian football player to find a fiance now spouse in the Vancouver area. I talked to one just recently, somebody that you might have crossed paths with at one time or another. He might, I think he's a little younger than you, but uh, Chris Freeman. That's correct. Yeah. So Fremo, as, as he's known, uh, and I have, uh, we probably started at the, uh, Vancouver Cougars in 2002 when Fremo was uh, moved, moved out to Vancouver to be with his uh, wife Mel and then he sort of basically spent the next uh, seven or eight years um, talking every female Canadian to move back to Australia so I've probably got to thank him for his efforts to in, um, <laughs> go back to Australia so yeah so you know, I and, a, and I got a I got a funny story. If with please, Fremo, because so. please, because I you know, hang on one second. Because when I had him on recently, um, he t he was telling I don't know if you know uh, uh, that that Kim Aussie that does you know Mick Aussie that does yeah. stuff. You know, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know you know you know Kim, but he okay. you know, he was telling Kim stories about how he fell asleep. You know against the pole one time and i have a picture he, he sent me a picture of that so by all means if you have a fremo story let's be all about equal opportunity and pay it forward for him well this one's this one's pretty uh pretty clean so <laughs> so so as i said fremo was talking probably since after two weeks in 2002 he's going back to australia mm -hmm. started out started out early and then um and kept on talking about for years and years and years and years and then i just said to him i said mate i'm going back this is about september um i must have been 2010 i'm going back you know it's all bullshit <laughs> you know i think <laughs> i was just you know having a bit of banter with him so, um, so we sold up packed up the container and um get on the plane and guess who's coming back to australia on the same flight sitting next to me Chris Freeman. Wow. Wow. That's uh... so, uh, so, so, so unfortunately, um, he was, um, his wife, Mel and his kids had to stay back for, I think it was only about four weeks. So Chris went ahead as a bit of a scout to, to get things organized. And, um, okay. it was basically, uh, like, uh, got to Australia. It was like, he could be the first to get, be the Pope and get out and kiss the tarmac. <laughs> So uh, yeah, so we came back together on the same okay on, well, on the same flight after he um, yeah so, so did and, you, did and still keep in touch like we probably what? Oh, go ahead Craig I was gonna say do you, did you two end up sitting next to one another on the flight back or do you well I, I had him uh, I think I tried to set him up with the kids so we have three kids I thought that would be uh, nice okay. for him to look after good the yeah kids that's... while. That's a good point. So you you came you you came back and you're now living in the the Canberra area. 
So may well, I ask, may I ask what, what is you do, you do as a career? Cause I, I don't think I've, and you know, if, I don't know if you're allowed to get into that at all, but. So I'm the same job as you, Craig. I'm a teacher. So okay. been doing that for you know, quite a while and uh yeah, so um, so were you teaching? Easy. Were you teaching in Canada then? Yes, correct. Oh, yes. okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, pretty easy. I'm not too sure. Australia certainly has a teacher shortage at the moment. So, um, if you're looking to immigrate, now's the time. Get some get some points. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, you know what? My my wife, uh, my wife would probably if. Oh, I, well, first of all, she doesn't listen to the podcast, so I guess I can say this, but uh, if I wasn't married and I'm not, I'm not making a plan on that happening at all, um, I, I would consider that that would be interesting, but um, just so what, you know, I could watch football all the time, but uh, it's, uh, I'm hoping to make a trip over there soon, but I, I don't think it's necessarily to have, to have a, a second career there, um, but uh so what was the biggest yes. difference? What was the biggest difference that you found teaching in Canada with teaching in Australia? Um, definitely more, more autonomy in, in Canada. Like you were considered a professional and you could go about your business and, you know, make sure you obviously as a professional, you do the right thing where we're here. It seems it'll be a lot more handholding and, you know, like, checking up and all that kind of thing do this, so it's, do this today do this tomorrow that sort of thing it's just like i think maybe from the administration's point of view the teachers have to be you've got to be on top of them to make sure they're mm-hmm. they're getting stuff done and they're doing the right thing and so on and so forth where where there's many ways um to get things done there's no you know it's like a like like a sports game plan, like right. How do you get to the end result? There's many well, journeys you can, you can take take to do that, and it might change from you know, minute to minute, or day to day, or week to week, or hour to hour. It depends on the cohort that you're working with. And, okay. And and um, it's, it's a bit more hierarchy, which is good because then you can it's more opportunity to um, to make more pay. <laughs> So okay, that, well, that makes sense. Get, that's, a, that's a good so, thing. So, so the school I was at in, in Canada, we had 1,500 students, eight year, year eight to 12, and um, I think they had uh, one principal and maybe three deputies in that uh, hierarchy where in Australia they have another section which is called, they call, or in Canberra anyway, called an executive teacher, which is just below the deputy and they sort of might run an area or a year group okay. or things like that. So, yeah. It's a bit so more, they, might, they might be like the, the department head for like the, the English language department or the foreign language or the science, that sort of thing? Yeah, correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, it's, and, it's, okay. and it's more of an administrative role and not so much a, a face-to-face teaching role. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. The, so it's it's different. I think the pay um, is certainly, um, I guess, higher here. But then again, yeah, it's cost of living and yeah. Well, that's gonna, price of real estate and all yeah. that kind of thing is probably much of a much teacher teacher in Canada, teacher here, same lifestyle. Okay. Um, but it's but it's but it's interesting, like. Um, Can- Canberra is basically like, 
I guess like the District of Columbia, it's an area. Mm-hmm. It's basically in the middle of New South Wales, Australian Capital Territory. Um, and it was sort of carved out in, I guess, I was it 120 years ago because there was fights between Melbourne and Sydney of, um, you know, we want the capital. I think it was in Melbourne for a while and then Sydney wanted it. And right. So they, they did a study and... Different places, so Canberra was picked from security, and part of the the reason is so Canberra's got a um, it's up in the Great Dividing Range, so we're at about five hundred meters above sea level, so not quite like Denver, mm-hmm. but Australia's version of Denver. We do have the Four Seasons, um, and there's sort of the mindset of um, colder climate leads to more intelligence or creation or forward thinking. Well, I, so I just part of the, I showed you here that it was minus if, seventeen if was, a couple of weeks ago. Stuck up in Sydney or up in Brisbane or on the beach, everyone would be down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I showed you that it was minus yeah, seventeen here a couple of weeks ago, get, so that must mean I'm minus, brilliant. Exactly, I can tell that by the <laughs> by the podcast, the um, well, probing questions. Yeah, but, but Canberra does get to we'll get we'll, we'll get minus six here. Okay. It'll be minus six here in the middle of winter, but it'll be about 15, 14 during the day because it'll be blue blue skies and sunniest capital in the well, capital city in the world. So that's always good. There's not much uh, rain uh, going. It's a very eclectic um, sports town because Canberra being constructed 100 years ago and with the obviously the federal government being a big employee of the the city not no one's really from canberra mm-hmm. and there's a few generations now but you you have the rugby union which is the the brumbies there's rugby league nrl which is the canberra raiders and you have afl uh which is the um gws giants play three or four home games here at monica uh, a year, and that's a team that I've had a membership with since day dot. Obviously, like my footy, so I keep a close eye on the, on the Giants, and hopefully, you know, while the Giants are up, North are down, we'll do a bit of a pendulum swing, and you know, North will be after the, the Giants down. But they're my they're my second team, and when you know, been to a few functions with like Kevin Sheedy when he was coaching the Giants, very okay. astute man. He'd say, "How many people support other teams?" This is the Giants sort of forum. And just about everyone in the room put their hand up and goes, perfect, it's great. And where are your second team? And obviously, as the generations go through, uh, the Giants will be able to build up their, their membership. But uh, yeah, they're, they're a very entertaining team, the, the Giants. Yeah, Toby Green. Yeah, yes. amazing. Well, when he gets to play, yeah, when he gets to play. Much line, but he is an absolutely brilliant, great footballer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just watch him on the field. He's just, uh, you know, he's probably what six one or six two, and he's just a machine. But loose cannon. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. So, you know, looking at the looking at the club, you know, last year they won the wooden spoon, um, but I think that in many ways it was a it was a lot like a uh, a house that you've bought that you're going to renovate where you you basically you tore it down to the you you, you tore the, the house down to the to the studs to just the frame of the house and then rebuilt it is and that's kind of what they started to do last year and this is a club that 
you know, the, the first part of the year, they really scuffled and, and struggled to, to win any games. But after about the midpoint of the season, it's like they flipped a switch. And this was a club that nobody wanted to play in the second half of the season because they were going to go out and go toe to toe with people. And it, it reminded me of the 2020 Adelaide club who kind of did the same thing, who played spoiler a couple times late in the season. Certainly, like um, the beginning of the season, it was frustrating as a North supporter because uh, all you want is all I want as a supporter is competitiveness. You know, to to give a to be in the game, whether that's a quarter, two quarters, three quarters, or, or, or the, the whole um, the whole game. But probably got to look back a little bit with um, you know sort of the unfortunate circumstances around Reese Shaw's sort of tenure at mm -hmm. uh, North Melbourne. Um, you know, they, he took over as a caretaker coach. I'm trying to think, is that 2020 now? Was it 2019? And had a had, had a good um, good run and obviously won the, the senior coaching uh, job for the following season. And then obviously the... the um, was that 2020 season? Yeah, 2020 season, obviously, with the, the hubs and all the COVID stuff and, and all that, that kind of obviously set things, things back for, for him and, and North Melbourne. And then North, North's a team that's never really bottomed out because they didn't think they could because they're, they're always sort of hanging on to their, their status in the league, always, are you going to Gold Coast? Are you going to Tasmania? They played games in Canberra there during the 2000s and were playing home games in Sydney. You know, they're just trying to do whatever they could to to survive in, in, right. in the league. Right. Um, you know, the, I guess the, the television deals, what keeps certainly, you know, they, they, have, they need an 18-team competition for the television rights. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting, say, with Tasmania um, potentially coming in maybe in the next four or five years. I'm assuming it'll be a standalone, but that gives obviously 19 teams and a potential buy every week and doesn't change the TV rights. But anyway, that's a, right. Well, that's, I that's was, another story then. I was going to ask you about that because, you know, it's, it's kind of the elephant in the room with regards to North Melbourne. You know, what if, you know, how, how are you going to react and how are Ruth's supporters going to react if, if the league looks at this whole set this whole situation and says you know what we we've we've watched what has not worked very well in gold coast now i know gold coast is different from tasmania because there's not there's not necessarily the, the talent pool for footy coming out of gold coast that there would be from tasmania but what what if they say you know what it's uh, it's time to uh you know to to you know, imitate the South Melbourne Swans move to Sydney, and send the the North Melbourne Kangaroos to Hobart and make them the Hobart Kangaroos. Or I wish I wish yeah. they'd be. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that that's going to happen. Like I might be sitting back here in five years, like an idiot when it does happen. But I, I thought when they was mooted to go to Gold Coast, I thought, no, I wouldn't mind that because I wouldn't mind going up north, up mm -hmm. to the Gold Coast to watch footy. Um, Tassie's a great place, but more during winter. <laughs> Not so much, but I don't reckon that. I think Tassie would probably want to put their own mark on it, right. their own team. And I think, you know, what Hawthorne and um, North Melbourne 
have done with North playing in Hobart and Hawthorne up in Launceston. I think I think Securda did a few games prior to Hawthorne taking over Launceston. You know, it's been good for the Tasmanian football community, but but um, I think they for them to be successful. I think they need to have their mm-hmm. their own Tassie. It started Tassie from, team started out. from the ground up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Like, I, I don't think um, now is there scope for another to bring a team from the Northern Territory, right? There's your 20 teams. So there's yeah. your 10 games a, a week. Uh, there's your TV rights. Because uh, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, they play games in Alice Springs and, and Darwin. So um, there's Maybe. another opportunity there, right? Or, or even in Cairns as well. Yeah, so maybe it's a you know, far north Queensland sort of northern Australian team of, of some description because um, yeah, because that would certainly the, the, there's football fans in in, in the northern territory. Um, so I think that might be the the way. Like you you look at GWS, um, great idea. That's the biggest uh, growing population in Australia is that Greater Western Sydney. Um, mm-hmm. Gold Coast is interesting because any any team that's gone to the Gold Coast, whether it be um, basketball or rugby league or soccer and even AFL because the Brisbane um, Bears, as they were called, back when they started, were playing out of Carrara out at Gold Coast's current home ground. So yeah, yeah. Hasn't, haven't really succeeded there, but that's also a transient you know, population. I think during COVID was it, uh, was Melbourne losing 50,000 people from the city? Mm-hmm. And I think I don't know which direction they're going. They're probably going somewhere north, um, you know, because there's lots of no one's from the Gold Coast as well. They're all come from right, know, right. Southern Australia. I've heard that from know. a lot of people. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So, oh, let me ask you this. You know, overall, how how pleased are you with the job that David Noble has done so far as senior coach? Yeah, I think the second half of the season shows that we're on a on the right track. You know, obviously the the game plan is important to embed that with the players, and you know they had a huge huge list turnover the last uh, two years, and mm-hmm. you know I think average age. I've I've got some stats here just in case you try to get me later on the quiz, but <laughs> um, is is uh, t- we're 23 and a half years of age, which is 17th out of 18 clubs. So quite a young, young team. So it's that transition of those that the players' potential to to step up. You know, can we bring this group along? Can they develop? Can they be competitive? So you know that that'll be the interesting thing to watch this year and and moving forward. You know, there, there's well look at the list and there's um, a lot of Good, good players, but can there be a few that are going to be great? Mm-hmm. You know, can uh, you know? Is it going to be you know, you know, six to six to eight really solid, solid players to get that foundation? Then you need another, you know, fifteen or so great play, you know, good players as well. You know, to, to build that that team around, and they've done quite well. Like they've, um, you know, the biggest loss is um, Ben Cunnington, right? He's he's having that chemotherapy for right, right. testicular cancer. So he's an absolute he's an absolute beast. Like I'd if he was on any other team, he's Dustin Martin-esque. Like he's yeah. just some of the stuff he does and so laconic, you know, 
he does Dustin Martin's um, handoffs better than uh, Dustin Martin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's a, he's a huge loss um, for the team, but hopefully maybe he'll get back later in the season. Um, I hope I hope so. You know, I hope so. so. Uh, but then you've obviously, got, you, know, you know, Jason Horn Francis, like the number one draft pick, like he just looks like an absolute chip. So hopefully let's, he, let's hope let's hope he stays healthy. And, yes, exactly. Uh, able to yes. get through the season. So, so yeah. um, because you look at uh, was it the bit from the Gold Coast? Was that he came in the first round pick? What's his name? Matt Rail, I think. Yeah, who has not? Gold Coast. Been, he, he's I been snake bit. His first four games. I mean, he was absolutely. I, I was like my jaw was dropping how dominant this 18 year old kid was mm-hmm. basically winning games for the Gold Coast, and then he just had a terrible run of injuries the last couple of years. But if he comes in, you know, three quarters of, of Matt Rowell, <laughs> I'd be, That's... I'd be quite happy. Um, yeah, so they've got a they, they stole Hugh Greenwood from the Gold Coast, like he's well, a tackling well, machine. I, I that um, was gonna that was actually was my next question. That was actually going to be my yeah. next my next question. There, do you do you feel at all guilty about getting Hugh Greenwood the way that you did? I think that's a stupid move on Gold Coast part, right? Like, yes. uh, yeah, yeah. To, to take well, him off and put him back on. Hey, he's available, and obviously, obviously, he wanted to come, so. Well, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it, re- and I, I remember when it, and it didn't pay off. Yeah. When it happened, it reminded me of something that the, the Cleveland Cavaliers basketball team had. And I think I mentioned this during an episode when it happened. Um, and this has been a dozen or so years ago that they had a player who they wanted to sign to a long-term contract, but they wanted, they wanted to add like five years onto the last year of his contract in order you know to have him there for another six years. And they, uh, that player and his agent said, well, you know, we'll, we'll sign the new contract, but we want you to tear up the final year of the contract that I have right now. And then I'll sign the, the new contract that's going to pay me more, but I want this upcoming year to be one of those, that the first year of the new contract. So the team tore up the last year of his contract and he turned around and left and signed with the, the basketball team in Utah for like double the money. And they got nothing for him, so it's, yeah. the, it's the same thing that Gold Coast did, basically. So, well, I don't think it would have been Hugh, Hugh Greenwood's choice to be delisted. Right, so right. This is purely from the um, I see it's mismanagement, and they stuffed up is basically what they've done. Like, because um, you know, foot, football's quite different to like in, in the end, the NBA, right? Um, but I think. Yeah, it was just a loophole, and they took advantage of. And obviously, they had discussions with him because he was willing to come down. He was, you know, he could could have quite easily have said, "No, look, if you pick me up, I'm not going to come." But obviously, maybe he felt a bit slighted by Gold Coast for delisting him for that short period of time, and then off said, "Oh, let's uh, let's snuffle up a a player who's going to be in the engine room, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, tackling machine." and that's what that's what they need. You especially you say with Ben Cunnington, you just need a few more people there for a bit of extra grunt. Right, right. So, what are the uh, what are your expectations for the club this year? 
Yeah, I'd say bottom third. Uh, you know, so that twelve to uh, twelve to fifteen would be nice, keeping okay. away from that uh, bottom of the ladder. But sort of, you know, I think we we'd like to have a um, obviously next next draft to have a another low pick. Um, yeah, they could surprise. Like um, they could could be a bit higher, but you know, I'd be happy with a uh, you know. 12 to 16, maybe if they get a high, if they get higher, that'd be great. But um, yeah, I think that's where we're, we're at. Maybe with our experience, like um, average games is 55. You take out Ben Cunnington, he's 250 game player. You take that to 50, right? So you got yeah. a you got a very inexperienced list overall, and yeah. getting those games into those uh, players, you know, to get them up to 50 to 100 games. Right, right. Well, I, I was looking at the numbers there because, you know, looking at the list, if I co- counted correctly, you've got 19 players on the list that have played 14 games or fewer at the senior level. I mean, that that's half the list right there that's played less than less than a full season. So, I mean, that's a uh, – yeah. that is a, a significant yeah, number So there's there. an opportunity to – yeah, there's an opportunity to get games into players and obviously – there's a lot of fringe players. Um, you know, obviously, they, I can't remember how many players they used last year, but I'm, I'm going to say mid-30s, maybe, if not higher. So they, they, they used quite a number of players on the list and obviously in a position where, um, try, you know, you've got, to, you've got to play to see whether they can play. And, you know, there's a few few surprises, you know, in there, like someone like uh, Eddie Ford, who was, uh, I think, second round pick in uh, 2020 draft, you know, as a small forward, for example, I've, I think maybe it was his permed hair that he lost, a, he lost the, uh, the club, the club uh, draw or whatever reverse draw and had to get his hair permed. That maybe stand, stood out for me, but he was able to make <laughs> a few goals in the late games of the season. So whether he's able to step up, <laughs> um, you know, like uh, I think, I think North, North forward line does need uh, another player. So whether that's Callum Coleman-Jones from Richmond, who the big fella, but whether he's he's looking to cement that ruck position once sort of Todd Goldstein's probably maybe got two seasons left in him. Right, right. You know, so, but we need another forward, like basically losing, losing Ben Brown. Um, so we've got Nick Larkey and uh, Cam Zahar as our, our focal points. And we just need another... Another tall, so whether you know Callum Coleman Jones from Tigers switches with Goldstein up forward, that gives you another big target and just takes the pressure off. So Nick Lucky having two two guys draped on him as he's leading for the ball. Well, yeah, and it's yeah, like, like you said, it, it is a young it is a young side, but there, you've also got you know you've also got you know what two four about a dozen players who've all played you know at least a hundred games. Um, so there is some experience there. So, yeah. you know, it's, and, and like, like I'd mentioned before that last half of the season, they, they were a club that, that, that took some clubs that ended up going to the finals to the mat. I mean, they, they played them tough and, and, and I think in the long run, that's going to help that, that group of players grow going into this year. And I, and I think, I, I think I'm probably in agreement with you in terms of where they're going to be on the ladder this year, but I, I'm not going to be shocked that this group is ready to start pressing for spot the eight in 2023. I think they're ready to do that then. 
Yeah, that's that's the. Uh, I think that's the aim is to build. You know, like get get more games into those players like Luke Davies, Uniac. You know, he showed mm-hmm. some brilliance. Can he maintain and and turn up turn up much? Joe Simpkin has been uh, solid. Um, you know, winning the BNF last year for North. Um, you know, like. I guess someone like Kane Turner has reinvented himself. I guess he was a, a small forward, a, a precious small forward now looking at shutdown tagging roles and he's it's really annoying. So I wouldn't want to be playing against him because he's all over you. Um, you know, Taron Thomas, who's an absolute jet as well. Like right, right. Know, he's he's just a brilliant player. Like for those guys just to keep keep turning up. Yeah, Will Phillips, another early draft pick. Um, you know, like Ben Kai down at down the back line. He's well, got nucleus there. Obviously, losing Robbie Tarrant to, uh, to, to Richmond was yeah. Yeah, well, I, a chance I, for the younger players to step up. I think yeah. I think you I think you're a, a bit of a a Kane Turner supporter because of who he played ball with, having played at Wodonga. I think that may be where that that support yeah, for Wodonga him has come or... from. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's from. Uh, his dad did play for Wodonga. Uh, do you remember that? And I think he's from Keywall Sandy Creek, just out of Wodonga. So, okay. um, yeah, I think he's got five or six brothers, and he might have been the youngest one. But uh, yeah, you wouldn't want to mess with him. He's, he's certainly a uh, annoying tagger and, yeah. and hard at it. Just uh, yeah, a bit loose. So, you know, we're talking but, um, about. Yeah, certainly got. They got a. Go ahead, because you're you're kind of breaking up there a little bit right now. Yeah, we certainly got the the players, but it's just that are we able to get to that next level? Are we able to put it together as a team? And mm-hmm. um, you know, it'll be there's potential, and you don't know until you give it a go. Right, right. So, looking, you know, you know, we're we're looking at the positive things right now in terms of what we want to see happen. But what are the uh, what are the indicators that you're going to notice if the season isn't going the way that you want it to go? What are the things that you're looking for and to then say, uh oh, we've got problems still? Certainly competitiveness. And I think what really frustrated me as a supporter in the first part of the season was just um, turnovers and just, you know, clangers and just make not making the right choices in, in moving the ball ball forward like and that's that comes back to the experience and mm-hmm. you know the game plan and all that. But you know, it's just annoying to see someone lace someone out from the back line straight to an opposition player. Right? Okay. Um and yeah, you don't mind, you know, obviously there's gonna be mistakes, but there seem to be um quite a lot of, of those things. Um happening. It diminished during the year, but yeah, it comes down to experience. So you know, it's just making sure that they're making good decisions, which is always easy from the couch. Yeah, that's true. It. That's true. So, um, um, can anybody stop Melbourne? Yeah, Melbourne's. Uh, it, you know, footy's a funny game because any team on any day can right, can beat right. anyone. Anyone, but Melbourne just. Uh, an absolute at the moment appears to be an absolute juggernaut. Yeah. That being said, you know, you've got Brisbane, um, you know, Western Bulldogs, um, 
I'm not, I'm not too flash on Port Power. I, I yeah. think they might take a bit of a bit of a slide this year. Um, you know, Richmond's they've got that experience. You can't you can't um, you, know, you, you can't manufacture that. It's something you've had to have. So that's true. So you know, if Mel- Melbourne has a an off day, potentially like they look like they were down and out in that uh, third quarter, halfway through the third quarter, and then that's a good point. My goodness, yes. yeah. <laughs> Yep. You know, like so. I don't know, but they've certainly got the. You know, they they're. Yeah, Melbourne bottomed out for about thirty years, I think. So <laughs> finally, finally, they're getting some uh, reward. But uh, you know, Petrarca and Oliver and Max gone. You know that. You know, you got a- Angus Brayshaw. Oh, sorry, Angus. Angus or Andrew? Yeah. Angus is. Yeah, he's the one that wears the the helmet. Melbourne. He can't even get in the, in the middle. I mean. Yeah. Yep. Correct, yeah. Uh, I know. Maybe you should maybe you should come over to North when as a free agent when he's uh free because he's obviously um links there. His dad played for North Melbourne and um his his uncle was James Brasher was the CEO of North Melbourne for about twelve years. Basically kept them in kept them from going to the Gold Coast. Yep. All right. So um if you got the chance to sit down with Gil McLaughlin and have a conversation with him as a supporter of the game, what would you want to say to Gil in terms of, you know, it could be anything, could be a, a suggestion on a rule change or something along the lines of how the game should be run. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a good question, Craig. I think um, what I, what I find you know, is is a clutter is the players just all going back and forward in, in big groups and then creating that fast break. Like I'm I'm in the um the, you know, masters footy that I play now. Everyone's got a position and that's your area and you don't travel too far. So traditional football and 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 just creates that one on one competitions. Mm-hmm. So when the you know for marks and that and you've probably seen that the AFLs try to do that with the um, setting the mark back from the when a behind's kicked and letting the player run out without kicking it to themselves and having six 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 right and, right and and all that so to to make it that sort of uh, you know game where there might be two people going for a mark a couple of people on the ground to if there's a spoil or whatever but you know they're such highly tuned athletes these days that they can do that running up and down but obviously the interchange. Um, numbers i think they're down to 80 i think yeah it's the last number i think they were 120 and they're down to 80 so whether they decrease the interchange again because back when i was playing footy or even now if you got taken off was it because you weren't playing well mm-hmm. you were basically what we called here you got dragged right? <laughs> and usually and usually didn't get back on unless someone got, got injured so you know they were, they were basically the interchange was for reserves in case of injury or or something and they were used um quite different to what they use now it's basically like ice hockey where they're just doing constant do the line, line, the line shift and, yes yeah <laughs> you know, well. right. so i think i think um yeah the, the rules that they've got in is uh are good but i think maybe capping the interchange maybe going lower maybe down to 60 or 70 or something like that because that's also another management thing for the for the for the coach and um I used to 
I played a bit of fullback and centre halfback, so I used to always like kicking it to myself so I can get another. I get two stats in <laughs> coming out. There you go. Fullback. There you go. And and um, what was his name? Shaw played at GWS in Collingwood. Um, Heath Shaw was okay. a bandit for that. He kicked it to himself and and then maybe bounce the ball and he'd get all those all those super coach points for, uh, for by kicking the ball for, out of fullback. Yeah, that's uh. <laughs> Well, the other the other rule that I think is is a bit niche is um, if a, if a, if the ball hits any of the posts, if uh-huh. it comes into play, if it comes into play, it's play on. I reckon would be interesting. So if the ball you kick for goal and it hits a post and it ricochets back into play, I'd like to see play on rather than a, the point. And then maybe to get it to get um, away with what do they call it the. Uh, where they do the video reviews mm-hmm. in footy, hits a post and goes between the goals. It's a goal. If hits a post and goes between the the point side, go through there. I don't know. That that'd be sort of interesting from a uh, you know just the unpredictableness of yeah, the ball coming off the post. I've not, I've not had anybody mention that before. As far as the the, the ball, you know, the the ball still be still being in play if it hits the if it hit one of the posts. That's a unique idea. Yeah, it just hits the post. It comes back into play, obviously. It doesn't go behind. It bounces back into play. Hey, I reckon play on because that'd be, you know, how do you set up for that? Like, you know, it'll just be, you know, probably most most teams are setting up defensively that they're going to kick the ball out. Yeah. But that just throws in a, a variable. Um, hits the post. It comes into play. It bounces off the post in play. Then, hey, it's a free-for-all. It'd be quite interesting. I don't know. That would certainly lead to some very uh, unique angles on on goals that are being being kicked. Um, it, it, it's in many ways it would be like soccer, because you know if a ball yeah, hits correct. the ball hits the crossbar or the post, it's still considered in play. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah I mean I that's that's, and... that's interesting. I I had I, I hadn't thought about that before, but that that would be. And it takes out the um, did it hit the post? And I know they've got. I can't remember what they call it, the the central where they go for the replays. That takes time out of the game. It, the game's not flowing because they've got a review. It takes a goal umpire out of it. Like he's got he or she's got less decisions to make because um, okay, hit the post, went through the goals. Hey, it's a goal. Hit the post, went through the point post. It's a point. And if it hits a post and goes into play, then hey, see what happens. So it, it's in many ways it's like the uh, like the NFL when a when a when a kicker kicks a field goal. If it hits, if it hits one of the uprights and still goes through, it's still considered good. Yeah. That's yeah, that's what I'm. Yeah. That's a that's a great that's a really interesting point. That's uh, you might be onto something there. I might have to trademark it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's not that's not bad at all. So, and it's the, exclusive for Yank on the Footy. There you go. There you go. So yeah, five five years from now. Well, I mean, that's you know, I I close out every episode with the line, you know, may your dribble kick never hit the post. So it's uh, yeah. it's it's kind yeah, of along the line of that there, yeah. So and maybe the, may a dribble post hit the post and go in between the goals. You might have yeah. to add on the end. <laughs> that might be that might be a little lengthy, but yes, that's <laughs> that 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 would definitely fit though. Uh, so the season. The season is done. Okay. We, you know, we've gone through all 23, 23 rounds with the bye week. What does the headline in the newspaper say about the North Melbourne season? North's jumping up or hopping up. Sorry. Maybe okay. Kangaroos okay. 
North hopping up the ladder. Yeah. Well, they, they, well, they finished last, so then if they finish 17th, they're still going up, right? There you go. You can't, <laughs> you anyway, can't go. You can't. Anyways, uh, up. Yes, you don't, you don't want it to be, uh, you don't want it to be something along the lines, you know, you know, you know David Noble has a, uh, has a collection of wooden spoons on sale for, on eBay or anything like that. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's not, so are you ready to tackle a little bit of Ruse trivia here before we wrap up? Yeah, I'll have a crack, Craig. Okay. All right. Um, first one's a pretty easy one, I think. Who who kicked the most goals for the Ruse in 2021? Yeah, that'll be Lucky. Yep, was so 42. Mm -hmm. So do you know what a do you know what a, a Suvlaki is in Australia? Sapa uh, kebab. I uh, yeah, I I've heard that word before. Yes, I have heard so, that. So Nick, so Nick Lucky's nickname is Suva Suva Lucky. Okay. That's what it's going to trivia. Yeah. Who led the club in time on ground percentage for 2021? Who spent the most time on ground? Um, well, you think the big fellow, Toddy Goldstein, he's an absolute machine for obviously 32-year-old big fella. But um, I did happen to glean the stats before. And I know Ben Mackay just picked him by a little bit. Yep, 94, 94 and a quarter percent. Yep. All right. So uh, I didn't send these to you by mistake, did I already? I didn't... Uh, you, you're not copying the test here at all. You didn't. Uh, uh, okay. Now, which which senior coach has won the most games in North Melbourne history? Oh, geez, I didn't study that one. You didn't have that in the, the cheat notes. Um, <laughs> geez, I know when Ron, Ron Baresi, but he, back when my uncle was playing in the early 70s, I won that flash when I might go Ron Baresi. Oh, uh, yeah, Ron Baresi. He was second. Okay. Um, Dennis Pagan. Dennis Pagan. All right, yeah. Yeah, one, 150 wins, 90 losses, and Baresi was 130 and 65. Yeah, all right. Now, which current ruse have you – know, I think you're going to get this one because you, you've kind of mentioned these already. Which current ruse have played over 200 games in the Royal Blue and White? Yeah, so uh, Cunnington, um, Goldstein, uh, Zebel. Mm -hmm. um, how, how many did you need? There were three, I believe. I think there were only three, if I counted yeah, correctly. Zebel, Zebel, Cunnington, and uh, Goldstein. Yeah, because nobody nobody else will reach that milestone this year. Yeah, and well, Goldstein's not too far off three hundred. I think next season he. Well, we yeah, go he deep can... into the finals. He might get it this year. Yeah, uh, he he would come. He would come. You'd have to go in and uh, you'd have to go into the. Uh, you'd have to go in as one of the bottom four clubs to do that. Yeah, I yeah. think. Actually, no. You'd have to finish top four and lose the first round probably, and go back with the double chance then. So. So I'll probably get it next year, I reckon. Now, North Melbourne earned their most recent finals victory against which club in 2015? Jeez. Uh, I want to say Essendon, but they were probably no good back then. Was it Essendon? It was not. 2015. Was it elimination final? 
I'm sorry. Was it, um, was it Sydney Swans? It was Sydney. Yep, beat him seventy-seven yeah. to fifty-one. Yeah, because I think Buddy was out. Um, <laughs> that always yeah. helps. Yeah, I think I was there in twenty fourteen when they played. Was it a prelim? They played Sydney in the prelim. I think twenty fourteen. But absolutely caned. <laughs> All right, now I have three more questions for you here. Um, after Wayne Carey's 671 goals, who are the next two players to kick more than 500 goals for North Melbourne? All right, that'll be a little uh, Brent Harvey. Mm -hmm. um, who's next? Brent Harvey. Uh, Wayne Carey, Brent Harvey. Jeez. Uh, Trying to think. Can you give me a hint there, Craig? Uh, it's a name I'm familiar with. It's one. It's a name that I knew going, you know, going into this because it's somebody that I have I've heard the name, uh, you know, in in my time as a footy fan over the last six years. Oh, Malcolm Malcolm Blood. Not Malcolm Blood. John Longmire. Oh, John Longmire, the big horse with, with five hundred eleven. Oh, okay. okay, yeah. Who was the Ruse most recent Brownlow medalist? And you have mentioned Brownlow, this name tonight. Yeah, uh, Malcolm Blight. Or Ross Malcolm Blight? Mm -mm. It was, you, you just started to say the name. Ross Glenn Denning. Uh-huh, 1983, yeah. according to what I what I saw. Yeah, yep. yeah. And then Keith Greg a couple before that. Now, the Malcolm last Blight, Did he win a Brownlow? I can't remember. Uh, Courtney, where, where I was looking, I didn't see, I didn't see that, but I, you know, oh, yeah. maybe there, I was on the zero hanger website. So maybe I don't think they had a typo there, but maybe they did. Yeah, now, no, no, I'm just trying to think it's my memory trying to think, which isn't great. Now here's, here's the final question for you here. And this is, uh, and hopefully you don't have to get too familiar with this, this figure here for too long. We kind of alluded to this earlier, but what is the flying distance between Melbourne and Hobart? I mean, in kilometers? In kilometers, yes. Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have you do it okay. in miles. Are we going to Launceston, or we go? You said to Hobart. To Hobart, yep. Geez, I'd say maybe uh, uh, between. I'd go five fifty, six hundred, six hundred k. Five hundred ninety-seven. Great answer. Okay. Great answer yeah. there. Yes, and that was you know I was kind of asking that because of you know they they play there a little bit and. And, you know, hopefully they get to stay home, but uh, you never know what's going to happen. You know, they, they sent Fitzroy on to, you know, to join Brisbane. It's, uh, you know, yeah. yeah, so. Yeah, as I said before, I don't think that'll happen. I'd be disappointed. And I think Tasmania would be, they'd be happy, but not as happy as if they had their own, their own team, I reckon. So if you want to buy in, I think you got to go fresh. Right, right. That's, tr that's true. That's true. So, um who do you who do you have in the top four for this year? Um, yeah, well, you'd have to go Melbourne, uh, Brisbane. I'm gonna put the I'm gonna put the Giants in as a Smoky. Okay, Giants as a Smoky. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm toss it up between the Tigers and the Bulldogs. Let's go the Tigers. Okay. Well, I mean, they but, certainly. But, um, 
But they GWS, uh, I reckon, is a bit of a a smoky. I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think that they, I think that they most certainly would be. I mean, you know, they're going to be without, you know, Toby Green. I think what the first four rounds or the first six rounds this year, I think still Maybe five or six. Yeah, correct. Yeah, because because yeah. they went back and added onto his suspension, which I, I'm not, I'm not sure I agree with that. I'm not sure I think that was a great, you know, move to go back and penalize him further after they'd already penalized him. I'm, you know, it's uh. Yeah, it was a pretty, it's pretty um, silly what he did. Like, just oh yeah, yeah, out. yeah. Um, but then obviously they had a crackdown on um, umpire abuse, which I think is fair enough. Um, but I think I don't know if a Melbourne game there was eight fifty meter penalties. I did, I didn't I did see anything. But, yes, but yeah. some were some were fairly benign. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, it'll be interesting because I think in the snippets I watched of the preseason. You know, another one is holding the ball, mm-hmm. if getting back to what, what you could change, like, because the players are so good at tackling and usually sort of chicken winging you, so you've got the ball in your hand, you can only drop it on your foot, but guys are doing 360s and they're still not calling that, like... Right, right. You know, you know that, that'd be another thing. And that'd give more free kicks. It just opens up the game, makes, makes players run harder and further and all that. So that's the easiest way to get... You know, footy has turned into like rugby scrum after scrum after scrum yeah a lot of the what the term i heard during one of the women's games was that they they you know because they've talked about how the women's game has started to move away from the seagulls chasing after the chip yeah correct yeah and it's yeah i I could see that it's basically before they had went with oz kick before they had the zones that was how junior footy was played you know kids were obviously after the ball and there'd be 20 kids around it just Mm as dust ball and then, and you know, obviously the powers to be said, no, we've got to have zones. So we got everyone could have a turn and get some space and work on the skills. And then the AFL's gone the other way. <laughs> yeah, that's. You know, you know, <laughs> so, well, you know, and they are doing quite a bit in terms of, uh, in terms of, in terms of working with uh, the lower level leagues. I did see some articles this week where they're, they're going out and helping and making some donations to that sort of thing, which, you know, again, you've got to, You've got to spark that, of course, but, um, you know, if you get the chance, I would highly recommend checking out your, your, your AFLW squad, because it is a really, really good team. I mean, they're, they're playing well this year. I, like I said, I, t- I tipped them to be in the grand final this year. And actually I tipped them, I tipped them to beat, uh, to lose to Brisbane in the grand final, but I had them finishing fifth, but knocking off Adelaide in the, the round before that then, but. Yeah, Melbourne may just make it a, a whole moot point after the way they played last night. Yeah, it might be, as I was saying earlier, it might be where North's next premiership is, is yeah. uh, from the women's team, which, which is great. Very well could be, yeah. yeah. And and the women's game is coming a long way, and I, I'm 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 impressed by the you know, the improved skills, and I can't wait to see this continued influx of of young players who've been had the chance now to play for the last several years instead of coming back to the game from something else. Like it's, it's just going to make the game that much better going forward here. Yeah. Probably one sort of anecdote from the women's game is they're certainly much harder than the men going for the footy. They're absolutely some of the things when I watch it, I go, geez, I would have sort of stepped back a little bit there. And <laughs> That's a good point. What, what happens. And then, just with the, it's almost, it'd be good if the grounds are a little bit short or maybe 10 meters in a little bit. Okay. So some of some of the grounds, I guess, because the the kicking penetration is 
you know, close to mend, but maybe a little bit right, short. Right. Just maybe short. Now, I know the, the infrastructure wouldn't be there, but that would certainly turn up the scoring for, for the women's game. Um, is obviously have a slightly shorter field, but and I and I hope you know they're going to have to figure out they're going to have to figure out whether or not the women's comp is going to be something that's played opposite of the men's comp in terms of the seasons, so it's going up against cricket, or are they going to try to have you know the women's games being played as kind of like you know the lid lifters before the men's games? But I just I worry about. I worry about them kind of getting swept under the rug and not getting the attention that they deserve if that happens. Well, I reckon as a supporter, because um, I used to have curtain raises, which, you know, the reserves would play before the series right, in, right. in AFL. So you'd, you'd go there early and maybe watch the second half of the uh, of the seconds or, you know, like, so I reckon it, that's the way to go because it, you know, whether you have a season that goes from February to mid-year or something like that mm-hmm. to start off with and then build up to the full season, I'm not too sure, you know, what the AFL plan is. But if I was going to a game um, and there was a women, women's game on as a curtain raise, I'd be there at least by halftime, if not earlier. Mm-hmm. You, you're not just sitting around you know, sort of waiting for the for, for the game to start. So I think that's a, the way to go and just to integrate it. And then obviously you'll have supporters of the women's team who'll stay for the men's, the, the main game. And then, you know, yeah. that's how you, I think you build up support is by having those uh, curtain races, but then also keeping a smattering of what they currently do as well, you know. So, but I don't know. You know, I think the, the only problem with the, as I said, with the curtain races is, because of what they have to do now is it might finish an hour before the main game. And it should be basically like that curtain raiser finishes and then half an hour later, the main game's on. Right. The, the other team comes out and does it. Well, they've probably got to go and walk the ground. They've got to get the paint out and paint the lines. And, you know, there's probably all this OH&S stuff that has to go on. And then obviously change rooms and whatnot. But I think, you know, you put that aside, it's all about the footy. Get, get people there. Yeah. Watch the games. Okay. Right. Well, Peter, this has been a lot of fun, sir. I've, I've, oh, thanks, I've, I've really, <laughs> I've really enjoyed this. I, I think that the, I, I, I think, you know, just as a, as an observer from a distance, a long distance, that is, um, I think that, you know, the ruse are going to still give clubs fits this year. Cause I, I, I think that, that I think the players are starting to buy in to what, david noble is selling them and in many ways it's it it i think you could almost draw some parallels between what brisbane has done recently under chris fagan you know and and, you know he can't if i'm not mistaken he came off of uh brisbane's coaching staff to come down to north melbourne so so i think stories are quite are quite similar like um you know who did brisbane have was it michael voss or uh just uh back before you know sort of new coaches and, mm-hmm. and north had uh, obviously uh reshore for a short time and and i've gone the experience sort of fatherly teacher kind of figure along the lines of chris fagan so you know there'll be certainly development obviously paul paul ruse i think is still involved in north as well giving that sort of outside looking in um, mm-hmm. like an advisor well. so that's yeah, that's that's smart for them as well. Obviously, working with uh, like 
you know, coaching Melbourne and then getting them up and about after a number of years. So, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll move up. We'll be yeah. competitive. I, I think you will. I think you will. I, I'm not sure who's going to be moving down, but I think you're going to move up. Um, uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't done my own ladder predictions for this year. You know, and I'm I'm afraid to because last year I didn't even have Melbourne in the eight, so uh, I think I had them finishing tenth. Yeah, well, maybe we need a top top twelve or something like that because uh, yeah, there's a lot of lot of lot of teams to try and cram into that eight. But you know, it's and that's not such a bad thing as having some parity. You know, having it be a situation. I think you want a game where you know you could have somebody who's a bolter that could you know that could come up from. 12 or 13 or in your case you know uh, mm-hmm. i'm sure as yeah and i'll let you go after this but i'm sure that you wouldn't be upset if somehow north melbourne finds their way into the finals this year i i, I know you'd love to have that that great draft pick again this year but i'm sure as a supporter you'd also say boy it's nice to see them back playing finals again yeah, well i'll certainly take that for sure um, yeah yeah yep well Ladies and gentlemen, my guest has been uh, Peter Taylor. And uh, Peter, this has been a lot of fun, sir. I, I truly appreciate you coming on. I, I wish you the absolute best with the school this school year this year. Because I know you guys are just started here recently, correct? Yeah, so we're about six weeks into the school year and we're yeah. ticking along okay. So hopefully that'll be the, the theme for the rest of the year. And uh... yeah, we, we just had our first five-day school week in 2022 this past week because we've had we've had different snow days or delays or things like that because of the weather we just had our first five actually be in school all five days this this past week so yeah but we've got uh, about 12 more 12 more weeks to go then the school year's over nice and you can really knuckle down on much footy during july and august (laughs) yes but but i'm also i'm also um making some pretty significant changes to how i actually conduct my class as well i'm uh, i'm changing some things pretty significantly over this coming summer so i'm going to be very busy with that but uh i'm pretty excited about it well peter thanks so very much sir i truly appreciate oh, thanks, it Craig. you bet you no bet worries. no worries mate go the there you go and a huge thank you to peter for taking time out of his day to sit down and talk about the ruse just a really really fun conversation don't forget that you can reach me at my email address, a yank on the footy at gmail.com, as well as on Twitter at yank underscore on and on Facebook and Instagram at a yank on the footy. And again, if you haven't done so yet, I do invite you to check out my website and get up on the emailing list so the new episodes get to you. And also when I do live episodes, which will be coming up here fairly soon, I do send out an email usually 24 hours in advance letting people know that there's going to be a live episode if they want to hop on and share their thoughts about the round love to get you on there and everyone i want to thank you for listening we're fans of our club we're just a couple of days now from the start of the 2022 comp i'm looking forward to it still trying to line up a richmond supporter so if you know a richmond supporter that has a free morning over the next couple of days, I'd love to sit down and talk with them. And I do hope that you'll consider sharing the podcast with your friends and family. And again, I cannot thank you for the kind words and support that you've provided me over the time we're doing the podcast. I absolutely appreciate it. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, 
May your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later. This has been episode 146 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on or to yankonthefooty at gmail.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at A Yank on the Footy. And check out the website, ayankonthefooty.com. And please consider sharing this podcast with your friends and family and get on that mailing list. Love to be able to send the new episodes out to you. Until next time, everyone, goodbye. <laughs>